Good morning. Welcome to the weekly roundtable. C-SPAN here. Um, I'm going to do a quick disclaimer this week. Um, F3 defines faith as just believing in something bigger than yourself. And I have a very special guest to me this week. Um, but he and I are both on Team Jesus. And so I want to make sure if you're listening to this, uh, I'm not hiding it. That David and I are both on Team Jesus. And so uh, if you're offended by that, I would still ask you to listen because there's going to be some good truth nuggets in here. Just give it a chance, but uh, I always like to be up front um, whenever it's a, a Christian show, and this is a Christian show because we're two Christian guys, and we're going to talk about a topic of legacy, and we're both going to come from a Christian perspective. So I just wanted to make sure I got that out of the way. If you feel like hitting pause now, go ahead. But if the rest of you uh, kind of sit down, buckle up, here we go. So I'm going to do my quick intro. So normally I would ask how long you've been doing F3. And this guy, actually, I don't think he's ever posted an F3 workout, but he played a very, um, he played a very big role in F3 moving across the Carolinas. And so when I talk about the success of F3, it's because a lot of the men at his church were looking for some type of men's ministry to get involved with, and F3 uh, just kind of filled that role and then kind of exploded across the Carolinas. And so why he wasn't um, a guy who normally posts F3, he's had a huge influence on F3. He was also very big with Dread and OBT in the beginning, uh, having him on, uh, having those guys on his radio show, and doing a lot, of, you know, just doing a lot of media stuff with them, helping them get involved in the community. So, I'm going to give a quick just resume review on the guy and uh, anchor man to get mad as I as I list out people's resume review. But here's the guy. He's basically a shepherd. He's a husband. He's a father. He's a grandfather. He's a son. Um, for all you basketball guys, he's a Dean Smith coach, Tar Heel basketball player. He's an author. He's a community leader. Um, he was a mega church preacher, and uh, and now he's a church planter. So today's topic is about a legacy, and that's really big in Q4 uh, in F3. And what we're going to talk about today is Part of the reason I wanted to have David on is because I wanted to get more of a biblical perspective of what legacy is and how we can, um, as, as we're trying to be high-impact men, how we, how we leave a legacy. So a couple things I was thinking about. Every, you know, in Philly, we rock the Ben Franklin Bridge on, on Saturdays. Is, is that a legacy if they name a bridge after you? you know, same thing with Walt, Walt Whitman has his own bridge. Betsy Ross has a bridge, right? And then you start thinking about other people, and you think about men like Dean Smith, who had this huge impact on all these basketball players, right? But the impact was much, you know, it was farther than just those basketball players because he impacted all those families. Is that a legacy? And then you think of guys like Dredd and OBT that are doing this thing called F3, and they got that started. Are, is that a legacy? And then uh, where is it? a legacy just having a true identity and being your true self and doing what you're called to do. Or, and now I'll start making this more complicated, are you really uh, leaving a legacy even in your own family? Um, you know, and I can tell you, what I've learned uh, in my 52 years is it doesn't mean if you work 70 or 80 hours a week, um, you're not leaving a legacy at work. I'm, I'm going to tell you, that as soon as you get your pink slip, they'll, they'll replace you two weeks later and there will be somebody else leaving a legacy in your spot. Um, 
It's not doing every event that you're called to do, not running a marathon every week uh, because you're scared that you know you got FOMO. That's that's not leaving a legacy. And then, you know, David and I will joke about it's not having a really great social media profile and having a bunch of followers. That's not a legacy. Um, and so as we as we start today's discussion, sit back because um, I'm going to tell you this is a. I've been contacting him about you know, being on the podcast because this is a guy in my mind who's leaving a legacy in Charlotte. And so um, I'll just introduce everybody to David Chadwick. Hello, David. David. It's nice to be with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, David, I, uh, I kind of did that quick, but kind of helped me. I know I've, I probably uh, butchered a little bit. Anything you want to add anywhere in there? Well, no, I think you've pretty much uh, covered my life uh, in a brief moment. Uh, you know, I was raised as a preacher's kid. Uh, my dad was a good man and honorable. I loved my mom for 63 years before she passed away, and they had a great marriage. Uh, he was a good father. Um, I grew tall and, and loved the game of basketball. Uh, as you mentioned, got to play for Dean Smith at Carolina, which was wonderful. Uh, he was a mentor to me, as was my dad. Um, went to Europe and played in the European professional leagues for a few years, uh, then came back and uh, before I felt called into ministry, went to the University of Florida and, and earned a graduate counseling degree, which I think the Lord knew about because he knew he wanted me in ministry to be able to listen to people well. Uh, then I felt called into ministry, went to seminary and came to Charlotte in 1980 and have been here ever since, uh, you know, 40 years. I've been married for 42 years, uh, three children, um, soon to be eight grandchildren. We just found out last week that my youngest son, Michael, and his wife, Cassie, are pregnant with a little boy. Uh, so that'll be our eighth grandchild. And uh, I'm just honored to have lived these years on this planet. I hope in some small way I have, first of all, built into my children uh, a legacy that points them to eternal perspectives. And then also I've been able to help people here in Charlotte uh, know that a relationship with the Lord, seeking first his kingdom, really is the highest priority, and then everything else falls in the line after that. Yeah, and I guess I guess this is where I, I, I want to start peeling the onion, because as we talk about um, basketball and Dean Smith, um, you wrote a really good book about Dean Smith, and I'll, I'll just, maybe I'll try and put that in the show notes, uh, um, a copy of the where they can get that book. When we talk about leaving a legacy, though, I, I, I don't know if, if we want to split this up and say a guy like Dean Smith, he um, left a legacy with all these basketball players in Chapel Hill, right? Um, do we want to start there and maybe say some of the lessons you learned from him early on um, about leaving a personal legacy? Sure, that that'd be a great place to begin. Uh, you know, Coach Smith was um, one of the greatest coaches who's ever coached the game. He's in the National Hall of Fame. Um, he is respected by everyone. And, and when I was being recruited by him uh, back in the late 1960s, uh, he wasn't as famous as he ultimately became. He was just beginning to build North Carolina's program. So looking back and seeing the icon that he's become, um, I feel very privileged to have played for him. Um, when I look at his life and how he taught me and about, you know, 300 other lettermen that he coached through his um, years of coaching, I think he coached around 36 years, 
Um, it's remarkable, and you see those guys then often become coaches, and then they build in Coach Smith's principles into the coach, the people they coach, and the legacy is still being passed on today. You know, especially by Roy Williams, who's now the head coach of Carolina, who was a year behind me when I played there. Um, you know, the principles, David, that he taught are several, and people ask me all the time, you know, what did you learn from Coach Smith? And I would say basically there were several things I took away. You know, one that's most important is that the team is more important than the individual. He just hammered that into us. And so in my own leadership in the churches that I've pastored through the years, I've tried to make um, that idea very prevalent among others that together is more important than any individual acclaim or success. You know, another one is that uh, you don't use people, you serve people. Um, that's a principle that's found in the Scripture. Jesus taught that in Mark 10:45, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away as a ransom for many. Um, Coach Smith taught us all that um, you don't use people for your own personal benefit. You serve people for their benefit, and that should then make the team better. We saw that in his own life. There's so many illustrations I could give you of times that um, he would step down off of his position of power and lower himself to help us succeed in life. He did that repeatedly. And you talk to any guy who played under him, there's a story that they'll tell you about a time in life when they hit a wall and the first person they called was Dean Smith. And he called back immediately and did whatever he could to move boulders out of the path so that you could be successful. But that's because he believed true leadership is serving another person, not using another person. And I think probably the third thing he taught that I'll never forget was that you must operate out of a position of personal integrity. Um, he defined uh, character as what other people think of you. He defined integrity as what you think of yourself. Um, integrity is the integration of your life, that you're the same publicly and privately. Uh, you're the same with your words as you are with your deeds. Um, you don't make yourself a hypocrite, and people don't see you as somebody different than you really are. And he would preach and live integrity all the time. Uh, so when you had kind of those three principles operating, you know, that the team's more important than the individual, that others are more important than yourself, and that you've got to operate out of a personal sense of integrity, I think that's the seedbed for success. And he hammered those principles and some others into us as his players and then we've passed them on, uh, not only if we've become coaches, but in our own leadership capabilities. But for me particularly, I would say I, I planted those seeds in my kids. I wanted them to learn them early on. And now that they're grown and having children themselves, I'm seeing them pass on those truths to their children. And, David, that really is what legacy is. I mean, you're talking about passing on what's been given to you to another generation and that generation passing it on to the next generation. Um, it Legacy really has to do more with who you are than what you do, and that's what Coach Smith taught so many of us, and we all live in those truths today. Yeah, David, and I, I think this is probably where you and I need to do another quick disclaimer, which is guys are going to be listening to this podcast, and, and you and I both had great earthly fathers, right? Um, and so it was real easy for us to say, our earthly father's doing this, I'm going to I'm going to mimic him and model that behavior, right? We understand guys are going to be listening to this, and maybe they didn't have a great earthly father, right? But yeah. that doesn't mean you – it doesn't mean they have to choose that path. And I'll, I'll hand it back to you, but basically you, 
each man can uh, can kind of set his own pace. You don't have to live your father's mistakes. I'll hand that back to you. Well, I, I think God intended from the beginning that dads be warm, caring, loving, giving, spiritually deep and leading their kids into a right relationship with the Lord and how to live their lives well. That was original intent. And it's fascinating for me that Jesus, if you're truly a Christian, you believe that Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. The Christians don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that the Father sent the Son into the world to die for our sins and live the perfect life none of us could live so that we can be free from any guilt and shame that we may feel. It's the most, most wonderful gift imaginable but he also came, I think, David, to tell us the true nature of who God is. And it's just like if you wanted to communicate to a bird and tell the bird how to get out of a desperately difficult situation and live, the best way to do so if you had all power would be to become a bird. Well, God has all power, and he wanted to tell us how to get free from this world and its shackles and all of its devastations and to be free and, and to live like we're supposed to live, well, the best way you can do that is to become a human. So that's what God did. He put on human flesh and became one of us. The second person of the Godhead, Jesus, his name means Savior, came to tell us how to go home and how to live well forever. Well, Jesus also, though, came to tell us the true nature of the Father. It's interesting that when he prayed, he prayed to Abba, Daddy, which is an Aramaic colloquialism, uh, which means Daddy. Uh, so he showed the intimacy of his relationship with his heavenly daddy, and he wanted us to know that same kind of character of the Father in heaven. We can know him as daddy. So when we then become fathers here on earth, uh, God wanted us to have that same kind of warm intimacy with our children that he had with the Son that we now have with him through the Son, Jesus. Now, for those listening who had bad dads, abusive dads, abrupt dads, angry dads, or those who had absent dads, not their dads, those who had no dads whatsoever, they don't have that legacy that's been, that God wanted to be passed on to them. But, David, that is a curse. God never intended any child to be brought up in a fatherless or uh, an uncaring father home. So if you are a dad now listening, you can, in my language, reverse the curse. You know, God didn't intend that curse of bad dads being passed on from generation to generation. If you want to take a stand now and say, you know what, I know the intimacy of love of the Heavenly Father through Jesus. I call him Daddy, and because of that relationship, I want my children to have that kind of relationship with me, and I'm going to reverse the curse. I'm not going to pass on bad dads anymore. I'm going to be a be there dad. I'm going to be present with my kids and let them know that warm, loving, kind, gracious nature that the Father intended forever. You know, David, I'm sure you've heard this with me as you listened to me preach for some years, that kids spell love, T-I-M-E. Uh, that, that's how they spell love. And, and they want a father's presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, -E, not just their presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. -E -E Too many dads think they can just give their kids stuff and going to get love back. Well, what the kid really wants is for you to be a be their dad, warm, engaged, involved. And when you do, you most likely will raise a healthy child. And in that relationship, it'll last long after the kid has left home. You continue in that relationship. You know, last night I'm watching one of the baseball playoff games, and my 
you know, 30-year-old son's texting me in the middle of the game because he used to watch the games with me and going, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And that's God's original intent. And it's restored through Jesus. It was broken in the fall in the Bible when people rebelled against God and we've continued that rebellion. We can reverse the curse and hand on that warm relationship to our kids. They're desperate for it. They want it. They just want to be with you, dads. And when you are you are giving a legacy that they'll pass on to their kids that is invaluable. Now you got me doing sports analogies here. Uh, going back to basketball, um, a dad shouldn't get a dad should teach you to dribble and not get mad at you when you don't know how to dribble. And I think, <laughs> you know, I, I think as we go through a lot of this about leaving a legacy. Be the, kind of, be the kind of dad that actually teaches your kid to dribble. Don't be the kind of dad that just gets irritated when your kid doesn't know how to dribble. And I'll, you can, I'm using a basketball analogy right there, but insert that anywhere you want. Um, you know, you can put the way they treat women, the way they, um, you know, and this is for boys or girls, the way they treat their spouse, the way they uh, interact, the, the way they behave at work, all these kinds of things. If you haven't shown them how to dribble, don't expect them they're just going to figure it out when they're, you know, 16 or 17 years old and their hormones are going crazy. You have to show them that. You know? And I'll, I'll hand that back. If it, I'll kind of let you summarize being a dad there if, uh, if there's anything you want to add. Well, I, I would add one more thing, and, and that is that faith is more caught than taught. Um, if you want your kids to have a deep and abiding faith, you have a deep and abiding faith. And believe me, they're watching. And if they see faith being a secondary, tertiary issue for you, that's where it's going to fall in line for them. But if they see you having a master passion for God and his kingdom, for serving other people, and living a life that has an eternal perspective, you know, that's what they'll follow. Again, they, faith is more, more caught than taught. And the other thing I would add, David, to what you said, not only teaching your kids how to dribble and being a part of their lives, Make sure that if you do have a kid who has some gift in some area, especially athletics, and, you know, I had a, a Division One basketball-playing son, and I also have another son who um, is now a professional swimmer. Uh, he swims in the International Swim League and has had some success there. You know, don't find your identity in your kid's success. They can sniff that out in a heartbeat. Just enjoy the athletic ride with them and always remember you're their dad, not their coach. Let me say it again. You're their dad not their coach. And when you get in the car with them after an event or a swim meet or whatever, don't give your advice on how you think they should have played better or swam better or whatever. Sit in the car and say, how you feeling? Did you enjoy that? What's going on in your heart? And then listen to them and be a be their dad and just care for them. Those are the moments they'll remember. And I'm now watching my older son who has a two-year-old and a newborn son, two sons, He's doing the same stuff that I did with him. He's passing it on. And, again, that's what legacy is. And, again, I'm seeing them live their faith out, which is most important, because they know that we're not going to be on this earth forever. Yeah, and I guess uh, for all these these guys, you know, you and I could probably start talking grandson stories because, you know, I'm getting another one in December. And so um, that will be my third grandson. And I, I am so fired up to – uh, teach them to play hockey, teach them to play soccer, teach them to play basketball. Um, and I guess we probably need to put the disclaimer, uh, even as a grandpa, you don't get to have the kids' uh, athletic talents uh, as your identity. So I, no. I will put that in there. <laughs> we'll put that in there, too, for all us older guys. So, Well, you, you know, David, that in my 
next grandson's going to be born in March, so I'm right there with you. But the, the bottom line is every person listening to this podcast right now needs to ask the question, where am I finding my identity? Am I finding my identity in my children and their success? Am I finding my identity in my work? Am I finding my identity in my power and influence, my salary, all of those things? And if you are, they are fleeting. They can be taken away from you in a second. And if and when they do, you're left bankrupt. You don't know where to go. Your identity must be found in a relationship with the Lord Jesus, which is eternal and never fails. So your circumstances may change. Your location may change. But your identity never does. It's secure in Jesus. When you receive Jesus, you know you're loved, you're accepted, you're his child. And when you have that reality in your heart, you can face anything. You can keep moving forward in life when it gives you its most crushing blows because, again, your identity is not found in anything in this world. It's not found in what you do. It's found in who you are. And if you really believe you're a child of God, loved in the beloved, then you can face anything. Yeah, and I um, now I guess we're we're gonna have to take this in a different direction, David, because now I, you got my brain going 100 miles an hour. So we kind of talked about being a dad, and so in F3 we kind of talk about this transition that a lot of guys make. They they get fit, they get some friends. We call the first F is the fitness piece, right? The second F is the fellowship piece, and guys get some friends. The third F is this faith component, which is really part of the discussion. The part of the discussion with legacy is um, you, you basically figure out, a, you figure out how you're going to manage that faith component in your life. And so we talked a, a little bit about it, but I still feel like, um, you know, the guys that were listening to this that, you know, had good examples that they can follow, it, it's probably easier for them. Let's maybe go back to the guys who are, are struggling where they don't have anything. And let's say uh, we got, you know, roughly five or ten minutes to talk to them about, Here's the roadmap of how you, you know, let's teach them how to dribble a little bit. And so if you could give some advice to a guy who just walked into your office today and said, David, I'm lost, right? Um, I want to leave a legacy. Let, can you help maybe give some building blocks on, you know, we talked about being, you know, kind of getting your priorities set with your family. And we, you know, uh, you know, we talk about it as a concentric. Basically, your wife, your relationship with God is first, then your wife is the next ring, your kids are the next ring, and then your, uh, the next ring after that, and we're, I'm talking about a big bullseye target, right? Like the, the Lord needs to be at the very center, then your wife, then your kids, um, then, you know, any younger men uh, that you're pouring into, and then we locate the work on the very farthest out ring, right? So if a guy walked into your office today and said, David, I'm lost, Help me do the building blocks of leaving a legacy uh, for my life. What are some of the tips that you would let, – let's get the truth nuggets out there. What are the pro tips you're going to give them as an older guy pouring into younger men, helping them uh, to leave a legacy? Well, I guess the first question I would ask is, do you really know the Lord? Um, there's a verse in the Bible where uh, Paul, who was a great follower of Jesus and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said that, he considered all the things he previously sought after, influence, power, prestige, etc., as mere garbage, except for one thing, and that's to know Jesus personally and intimately. So I'd encourage the person to begin there. Do you really believe 
that there are two world's religions and all of the other religions in the world are about do, working your way into God's favor, and no matter how hard you try, you're always going to be frustrated. And I'd invite anyone who wants to do more apologetics work just to look at the world's religions and they'll see that everyone has to do with what people do. There's only one that's juxtaposed. It's that it has all been done for us, that God so loved the world that he knew we could never do enough to earn his favor. He's perfect. None of us can ever be perfect. So he sent his son into the world to die on the cross to forgive us of our sins. And when you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, the very presence of God lives in your heart. And so I would then say to everyone who has gone to that step of believing in Jesus, make sure that you nurture every single day that faith. Find some time to get alone with your Bible, with some prayer time. Maybe it's only 15 minutes. If you can't have a little bit longer, that's better. I try to spend 30 minutes to an hour every single day nurturing that heart of faith, that that's who I really am. And I want that relationship with the Father through Jesus to be nurtured every day. And, and God needs time, too. If kids spell love, T-I-M-E, so does the Father in heaven. He spells I love, T-I-M-E. Spend some time with me every day. Find a devotional, uh, find something that really stirs your soul. I just read through the Bible. I find books that I want to read through, read a chapter a day, and it nurtures my soul. I write out all my prayers uh, because I'm a little ADD. That helps me focus, but it allows me to experience a communication with God. All prayer is is talking to the Father. So make sure that's taken care of. The second thing I would say is make sure that your next relationship that's so important, your wife, is taken care of. Marilyn and I, for 42 years, have spent one day every week together. It's our Sabbath. We build that time together as kids spell love, T-I-M-E, as the Father in Heaven spells love, T-I-M-E. My wife spells love, T-I-M-E. She wants time with me. Make sure you have a weekly time with your wife. Because here's what I believe. Not only is there the intimacy of the physical relationship, there should be the constant relational aspect of your life together. And, you know, as you spend time together and your souls are knit together and you become each other's best friend, uh, it's easy to leave your spouse. It's impossible to leave your best friend. Just make sure that you and your wife are spending time together, your hearts are knitted together, and your kids are watching continually that relationship. And if they sense that it's not right, they feel some angst in their soul. So for your sake and becoming your spouse's best friend, for your kids watching that relationship and feeling security in the home, make sure that's there. Then your kids come after that. Spend time with your kids. Make sure that you know uh, that you'll not have any regrets after they leave home. Um, make sure you're at their sporting events. Make sure you're at their uh, dance recitals. Write it into your calendar. Uh, it, it's more important than other meetings that you have. I did that every year with my kids. I'd write in all their major events, and then when someone would call me and want me to be at something that they had already an event scheduled for, I would say, I'm sorry, my time's already taken up that day. And they know if they're important in your life. And just remember, they don't want what you give them. They want you. And spend time with them. And also make sure you nurture their faith. Make sure that you want them to have what you have with the Lord. Make sure that you have a family home night. Marilyn and I did that for years where the kids would come together and we would do some Bible story. We would act it out. We would pray together. But they knew the Lord was central in our home, and they saw that as very important. Then the next concentric circle outward is, uh, as you mentioned, I think it's very important to uh, David take care of your physical bodies. This is the only body you'll ever have. You're not going to get another one on this side of eternity, uh, so make sure you nurture it, care for it, exercise it, feed it well, uh, that you take care of your body. And then the next concentric circle I would be is those friends that you have, those folks in your life that you want to spend time with that you develop and nurture. 
Um, you know, we weren't intended to live on this side of eternity alone. We need a community of friends. So, so nurture those friendships as well. And then the last one is your workplace. You, you do your work in order to supply the necessary substances for your family and for yourself, but your work doesn't define you. You do that as something you hopefully enjoy, but it doesn't define you. And you give yourself to your workplace, and then you also say, Lord, every day I want to be your servant, your minister to anyone in my workplace who may need you. So you look constantly throughout your day for people you can serve, love, care for, and pray for. And you are God's minister in that workplace. You know, people ask me all the time, you know, where's my mission field? And I always answer, between your feet. You know, wherever you are, that's where the Lord has you. So look for places in your workplace where you can serve and love other people. And then finally, I would say your next concentric circle is to serve hurting people in the world. Look for the poor, the needy, the dispossessed, the disenfranchised in your community throughout the world who are hungry and needy, who need to hear spiritual truth through the gospel. Be involved in your local church. Find a way that you can help poor people, especially because they are the heart of God. Jesus said in Matthew 25, as you look into their face, the people who are hungry and thirsty and naked and in prison, as you look into their face, you're looking into my face. He has a special heart for the poor. So as you care for those in that concentric circle, I think you are being faithful in every possible way. So again, just go through them real quickly. The Lord's first. Your wife is second. Third, your kids, then your uh, body, your friends, your family, then your workplace, the people who work there with you, care for them, love them, and then finally, uh, the needy, the oppressed, those who don't know Jesus, make sure they're a part of your life as well. And as you live out those concentric circles over a lifetime, you're passing on a legacy, you're dropping a stone in the water that has ripple effects to probably people you'll never see until heaven. And at this point, I'm going to give you a very loud amen. David, I, uh, I feel like I could talk to you. Um, I, I could talk to you for a lot longer, but we're, as we're getting on top of our time, I feel like uh, I need to do two other quick announcements. I know you're um, planting and you planted a new church in Charlotte. It's called Moments of Hope. Anything you want to share for the listeners? Because uh, your your preaching is available online right now, and so if if guys don't have a place to go to church, they can log in. I I, I got to log in over the weekend and listen to you preach. It was awesome. So you want to share anything on what's going on with Moments of Hope? Yeah, well, thank you. We, we're online, and if people would like to watch any of my messages, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, momentsofhopechurch.org. All the messages are there. Uh, they could sign up for what we call a daily written moment of hope. Um, it goes out every morning at 6.59 a.m. We'll go right into your inbox. It's free of charge. I'm not trying to get any money from it. I write one every day to send out to people. And again, what I want to do is to start your day with a moment of hope so you can subscribe to that if any of you would like to do that. I've had amazing responses from people all over the world who say they really appreciate being able to start off their day with that moment of hope. You can see the books that I have available on that website. My most recent one is called Moving Beyond Anxiety. Uh, you can get that through Amazon.com or any online book uh, store. And its purpose is to help people renew their minds through pr uh, 12 practical steps and be able to overcome anxiety because I really do believe we can defeat anxiety. I believe it starts in our mind. And David, that's probably another podcast, but that book's available there as well. And if anybody wants to follow on Twitter, it's at dash uh, David Chadwick. So um, I'd love to have anyone uh, be blessed by what God's taught me through the years. 
Uh, believe me, I'm nothing. The Lord is everything. Uh, anything I have is a gift from him. I'm going to be held accountable for how I've used that gift, and I hope uh, when I hear him, see him face-to-face, I'll, I'll hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because all I've tried to do is to take the gifts he's given me and to honor him with their usage during my time here on this earth. And, brother, I'm going to give you another loud amen. It was wonderful talking to you today. For the rest of you, I'll catch up with you next Friday, and uh, have a great rest of your week. Thanks again, David. Yeah, you bet. My pleasure being with you.